Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, it looks like President Joe Biden announcing another grant here and uh, handing out some money for manufacturing batteries. Of course, this is the movement for the next generation. So we're going to see how that affects certain stocks today. Elon feels Tesla's valuation could exceed Apple and Saudi uh, Amerco's combined $4.3 trillion market cap. Initial jobless claims coming today at 8.30 could shake things up. Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index, all state hurricane disasters. So many earnings stocks to go through. But the question now could be, could these earnings turn out to be not as bad as expected? Find out right here on Pre-Market Prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Let's bring on Dennis Dick and let's take a look at the overall market and what we're getting into today. It looks like kind of sideways action uh, from the overnight. Not much uh, going up, not much going down. But of course, we got a lot of earnings to get into. But what caught your attention yesterday, Dennis? Uh, A lot of chop. Again, you know, rallies just don't seem to hold. So we start to try to get that morning rally after the big sell-off. You know, we had a pretty good sell-off in the pre-market. And then we rallied up to almost scratch. Actually, I think we got scratch. And then we sell it back off again. And then we rally up here and then we sell off. And after hours, this has been a whole lot of chop here. We've been down. Then we were way up. You know, now we're kind of coming back in a little bit. So lots of chop, lots of moves to fade. It's been one of those uh, markets here again where random walk theory is being proven correct, at least for these markets. That it is. And um, President Joe Biden coming out and announcing a $2.8 billion in grants for 20 companies to produce batteries for electric vehicles in the United States. The funding will go towards the creation of battery-grade materials, including lithium, graphite, and nickel. Of course, this is critically important he stated for the future of vehicles uh is electric he also stated how 75 percent of battery manufacturing is done in china right now so another area where we're battling with china i don't know if that's a good thing i mean this battles with china and let's just go and look you know at the china stocks because holy cow just when you think it can't get exactly worse, mitch yeah. They keep going straight down. Like this yeah. is Tanya, this whole, you know, deglobalization we're talking about. You know, China stock investing here right now has just been destroyed. I mean, some of the valuations are getting to be attractive, but you just don't know going forward, you know, with all the political concerns here, you know, potential, obviously, invasion of Taiwan still on the table. We don't know what's happening there. It's impossible to really, you know, or it's, it's not it, to, to evaluate the risk. So if I can't evaluate the risk, it's hard for me to invest there. And if you look at FXI, whatever you want, like look at these things, yeah. you know, the double, you know, you can look at the double one. But even the K-Web, obviously $20, mm-hmm. you know, you look at these things long term. You think we've had a bear market here. Holy mackerel, nothing like in China. I mean, Alibaba is now $71 from over $300. Baidu was $350. It's $94. JD.com, over $100. It's $41. I mean, these things have just been absolutely slaughtered. Anything over there in China, FXI, if you want to look at that too. I mean, we're at a multi-year low 
I, I you got to go way back, Mitch, like 2366. In 2016, we were 30. So we go back six years, we're down like 25% from where we were six, seven, eight years ago. So yeah, go out even further, Mitch, on the FXI, just for curiosity you. here. Your charts go further yeah. than mine. Um, how far can you go back there, buddy? You can go back all the way until 2005. And then the there spike in 2007 went to a high of 73.19. Yeah, so since the financial crisis, you know, we never came back on the FXI. We never came back. And this is China. Like, we're not just talking like, you know, a stock. We're talking an index. So, I mean, and this is, you know, the problem. The U.S. markets have been riding the technology wave for so long. And that's really why the U.S. market's been the best, you know, performers. I've argued that before. Silicon Valley, you know, we've just had so many innovative companies coming out, you know, of Silicon Valley, really. This has been the driver. And now you're looking, you're just thinking, man, you keep thinking there was going to be a catch-up trade in the, in, in the emerging markets. And it's worse. They just keep falling and they're falling faster than our markets. So... Hard to invest overseas when you can't assess the geopolitical risk. You can't assess the you know possibility of a China invasion of Taiwan. You can't assess any of this. So we don't know. And then you've got obviously other issues too. In it's England hard also. To be an investor over there. Um, we have problems also in England today. Uh, UK Prime Minister Louise Truss is in discussions with key members of the Conservative Party who oversee leadership challenges. And it looks like... Uh, Louise Trust might be on the way out. And so uh, more uncertainty, political unrest. I feel like the uncertainty out in Europe has definitely gone to another level. And um, I mean, another change in prime minister. They've changed the finance minister uh, four times. It doesn't look like things are doing great there, especially in England. Just so hard to assess the risk from everywhere, to your point. I mean, you think the U.S. or you think North America's got it tough. It's a lot tougher everywhere else. So European banks, we've talked about them before. They look Mm -hmm. like they're going into a full financial crisis here. So I don't know how all this settles out. But again, it makes it tough. You know, I tried to buy a couple stocks in the long-term investment portfolio yesterday. Just nibbling a little bit more. Very small positions. But... You come and you look and you think, man, is that a mistake to even be buying anything in this environment? I don't know. Tesla earnings, though, let's get to them because actually the Tesla earnings I thought were fine. But the reaction to it, really not fine. You know, stock is trading down here 12 more points. It's already in the gutter coming in. I would have actually thought with that report, give us the report, Mitch, then we can do the analysis. You might as well give us the report. All right, let's go to here. Tesla's adjusted EPS at a dollar five, beating the dollar estimate. Sales at twenty one point four five, missing the twenty one point nine six billion estimate. CEO Elon Musk said the company is not cutting production in any meaningful way, recession or not recession. We're very pedal to the metal come rain or shine the fed's decision makes sense and he's talking about interest rates here if you're looking in the rear view mirror but not if you're looking out the windshield said musk he also stated that he was excited about the twitter situation so us uh twitter fans out there if you heard that comment on the call and said that the company has a sort of languished for a long time, but has incredible potential. He was talking about Twitter. But then he also mentioned, I thought this was a little bit outrageous, but he did mention that uh, Tesla's valuation could exceed that of Apple and Saudi Aramico's combined $4.3 trillion market cap. He was I think saying, that was a little bit of a reach. He was saying everything on the call, Mitch, literally like everything that he possibly could to really move the stock price higher. And he was really like move. trying to say everything and just throwing stuff out. He's probably ticked off the stock was trading down. And it started ticking up when he said that Apple Saudi Aramco stuff. The stock mm-hmm. went from like 214 up to 218. Then just started leaking back and leaking back and leaking back as the markets was kind of saying, well, this is just Musk. Musk shooting his mouth off again, which obviously we know has always been the issue with Musk is he comes in and, you know, he's, you know, innovative. He does all that stuff, but it's always been, you know, what he says that is more concerning to the market than anything. I mean, just throwing out just random comments like this, not very really CEO like to me, more like a game to him. Like, Oh, I can be the best company in the world. I can be bigger than all of them. I can be bigger than the two biggest companies combined. 
You know, it's just like going, you can just see how the, the slippery slope of how his brain's working there and then just spitting it out. So, I mean, but you can't argue with the innovation. At a certain point in time, like I've said, Tesla will be a buy because, they, you know, the, the, the efficiencies here are so much more than the traditional automotive companies. The margins are so much greater. They don't have to advertise. You know, you got Ford GM, they're just advertising nonstop, trying to pump it out there. Tesla doesn't spend anything on advertising because it's word of mouth is just so strong. So the brand is just awesome. Love Tesla, the company, the stock starting to come down. Like I, I, I was saying, you know, I think it's trading like 42 or 43 times forward earnings, you know, because it's come down so far. It's starting to become a little more reasonable. It's 60, 70, 80 times earnings. It starts to not, but forward earnings, it's starting to come, you know, a little more reasonable. Get down to like 30 times earnings, starts to get forward earnings, starts to get interesting. Now, again, that's, you know, saying that these projections are going to obviously come to fruition, which he's been pretty good, though. Everybody said he couldn't do it, and he's made it, made it happen. So love Tesla, the company. Love Elon Musk, the innovator. I just get concerned with Elon Musk, you know, when he starts to just shoot his mouth off. So I think that's what that was, the Apple Saudi Aramco comments. You know, and I heard that. I was like cringeworthy to a certain extent. Doesn't sound very CEO-like, but it is what it is. Stock is down. Got huge support down here at 204. That is the low of the move. That is the low it absolutely needs to hold because we always say when a stock's making new lows, you have to go. This is still holding its lows. That's a good thing. It's been basically cut in half from the from the all-time high of 414 back in November of 21 when everybody paid anything for anything and stupidity reigned. We've come back into reasonableness. It's not crazy, crazy on a valuation perspective. Like to get a little bit cheaper, but if you were nibbling in Tesla for the long-term account here, I won't argue with you. I'm not doing it yet, though. I think it might be early. No, I'm kind of worried about it breaking through that 206 support Got to hold that. and breaking through. If it breaks through there, I'm honestly looking at an opportunity of it coming back to that original five to one split. If it could come back there, I would definitely be a buyer. So that's kind of maybe I have a bias towards that level, but just giving you the perspective of where I think uh, Tesla could potentially go. And then that would be a big opportunity for me. But let's see if they go after the general today in Tesla. Of course, it could get taken out on the lower side. I did want to give some comments here from Gene Munster. Uh, he said that investors may shift from giving benefits of a doubt to a take and wait and see approach around the prospect of 50% compound growth and expanding margins. So this is what was stated. Um, of course, uh, he said that we'd see more concern around Tesla's valuation over the course of the next three to six months. So that's from Gene Munster, one of our, our yeah. best analysts. And, on and love Gene. Tesla. I mean, Gene does his homework and, you know, I respect his opinion very much. And he thinks Tesla's going, you know, and, and so obviously he's on the bull camp here too. And he's been on the bull camp for a while. So again, I'll just go back. I think Mitch's level, you got to hold the two. It's around 157 for the split level. They wanted to ask the chat, but yeah, right now the support, right? I mean, you're looking at If it right came now, back to 157, I'd be a buyer. Yeah, I would too. Uh, 206.85 is that low right there that you'll be looking to see if we crack through today. I'm, I'm, I'm on the, it's on my buy list. I will say that, but I'm not striking today, but it's on the watch list. It's come yeah. down enough that, you know, been cut in half here now. It's a company that is going to be firing on all cylinders. I can say it's firing on all cylinders for, for, for a long time here. So uh, I'm a fan. I just think we might be early. I think so early too. I, I, I am a fan next year, of course, two major products coming out. He did also talk about the semi truck that will be uh, delivering so trucks to Pepsi. And so stay tuned for that in December. That could potentially give it some lift. I'll keep watch to see what happens in the situation. And of course, there was talk of the Cybertruck production, but we'll wait and see when we actually see the Cybertruck on the road. All right, getting out of Tesla, let's go ahead. Um, let's not wait. Let's get our guy on here. You guys might know him a little bit. His name is Mark Chaikin. You guys already know. Excited to talk to yes. Mark Chaikin, founder of Chaikin Analytics. And I got some good questions for my man Mark today. How are we doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Giving you the Rocky salute. Trying to I push like it. I like trying it. Trying to push Philadelphia into the World Series. Let's go. Oh, there you go. Oh, you think they make it? You think they make it, Mark? I hope so. 
All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be watching. That's for sure. Let's first talk about energy tickers. I remember, um, and you know, definitely let me know if I was correct. Were, did you bring up MPC last time? Yes. All MPC right. There you go. I've been keeping a watch on yep. that one. What yeah, do you MPC, feel about the energy trading here? Love it. I think that's the one place investors can put their money uh, and not worry about whether 3,600 was a bottom uh, and or 3,500, I guess. But uh, energy is benefiting from so many different things. The Russian war in the Ukraine, uh, OPEC price cuts, the European mandate to uh, refill their storage on LNG up to 90%. And it's just a buy here. I think anybody who doesn't think energy's going to 100, 120 is missing the boat here. Any I mean, other names? Boat, here, here's my concern, though, okay. is that, you know, and I bought some Oxy back in the end of September, you know, and I was buying a couple oil stocks, but it's just the move now. I mean, ExxonMobil has just went from $85 to 105 Like the boat, you know, set sail it's in the middle of the ocean i mean i hate jumping on this moving train and i know you know we're just breaking out here again so as a short-term trader Ooh. the momentum is definitely to the upside but i just look you know we've had huge moves here in the xle mark in the last month i'm wondering if it's too far now well that's why i like the natural gas stocks here natural gas has come down from 968 mm-hmm. uh, per uh what do they call that mm btu to 430 538 and if you look at EQT, which is my favorite stock and has been for quite a while. There you go. Uh, like if yep. natural gas averages five bucks over the next five years, they'll generate 22 billion in free cash flow. The current enterprise value of the company is only 21 billion. So if you think gas prices are going to stabilize where they are now, they don't even have to go up. This company's a buy. If gas prices average seven dollars over the next five years this company and this is management's uh, suggestion they'll generate 37 billion in free cash flow so i think this is a long-term play i know we've got a lot of traders on here but yeah. you know everybody has a core portfolio you do dennis yes and i think this stock belongs in your core portfolio eqt is one play you have some other ones too because well, I, so, I like this idea of natural gas because we're getting colder. Natural gas has been coming off and not rallying. And you just wonder if eventually it doesn't turn around. I kind of am in the same boat here. I'm a contrarian at heart, too. You got any other natural gas plays? EQT? SWN. Uh, it's SWN. a highly leveraged play. Um, EQT has debt, $6 billion versus $15 billion in equity. But Southwest has a much more leveraged balance sheet, and they don't hedge as much. So uh, S- SWN. SWN, there you go. Okay. Those got are, it. Oh, I like this one. Sure. Yeah. That's my so, kind of chart. That's my kind yeah, of I mean, chart, it Mark. Got, got a lot of sponsorship back in August when uh, energy peaked, uh, when gas peaked at 968. So these are two plays that one, I, I wouldn't call EQT a blue chip, but it is the largest natural gas producer in America. It has 6% of the American production. Interestingly, if EQT was a country, it would be the 12th largest natural gas producer in the world. So it's a serious player. Uh, I believe that after the elections, uh, the the Biden administration is going to junk the whole ESG debacle that we're in and say we've got to become energy independent again, which will help people like EQT. Because yeah. there'll be more drilling, and they've got great properties in the Marcellus Shale in Pennsylvania. They've just made an acquisition to extend their properties down into West Virginia. But I believe that it's hard to believe that we were energy independent, and now we're beholden to Russia and the Saudis. And the progressives would just boycott the polling booth if Biden announced something like this now. But you watch, starting November 9th, I believe, and I have no inside information, that any sensible government official is going to say, we've got to become energy independent again and start drilling and um, F the, uh, the green huggers, the tree huggers. You know, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sympathetic for the environment, but we can't be beholden to the Russians, which is what's happening to Germany right now. 
Interesting outlook there. It was actually going into my next question about what you would feel would take control of the narrative and drive this market higher and lower. You feel it's going to be more talk uh, on going against ESG, more about bringing energy here? Well, I think ramping up production in the U.S. We've got the reserves. <laughs> this is crazy. It's like, you know, you've got the goods, you're in a fight. As someone said, you know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. We're bringing a knife to a gunfight and we've got the guns sitting there and we're not using them. So that's just one man's opinion. But uh, it just makes sense to me that at some point, either the Democrats stay in control and wise up or the Republicans rest control. And, you know, if the Republicans rest control, they're going to open the spigot on production and pipeline. So obvious. Ahead, I, I was just going to change the subject, unless you had something to add to it, Mitch, because I was going to take it over to the war stocks. And Lockheed Martin was very interesting off of earnings. It was down original, or initially, and then they just blasted it off. And, you know, you look at General Dynamics and you look at NOC and you want to see stocks with relative strength right now. I mean, the war stocks here are literally almost all at all-time highs. What are your thoughts here in this sector? Well, I don't like buying all-time highs in a bear market. So well, there's uh, a point there. That's my only concern. Uh, I'd, I'd rather buy them as they're testing double bottoms, uh, you know, which is just a few days ago. Is this yeah. a weekly or a daily? This is a daily. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we've been looking at a number of these stocks, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. Um, they make sense, but they've made sense for uh, nine months. How long is the war in the Ukraine going on? Yeah. Nine months, and yet, because we're in a bear market, there's pressure on these companies. Yeah, I really haven't I taken Probably my off. favorite would be Raytheon, you know, the new Raytheon. Okay. I think it's RTX. Yeah, yeah it's RTX. Interesting. Well, I see. I'd rather buy that knowing that missiles are going to be in big demand and they, they do make a lot of the missiles that get slung around. It hasn't run as far either. No. So like Lockheed nice Martin really ran off the earnings. You know, RTX is kind of sleepy here. Hasn't run nearly as far. I think, you know, when people thinking about the war, they think right away Lockheed Martin. That's the first one that grabs the bed. You know, if you think it's escalating over there. And then obviously there's NOC General Dynamics. I think RTX is, and even LHX, I think RTX is sometimes, you know, an afterthought here. But I kind of like the chart here. You know, I think it put a nice base at 80. I think on a pullback, you get back to 85 here. Not a yep. bad looking chart. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the market, guys. Yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about it's it. Big now, um, one question that I had for you, Mark, is that since this year has truly been the, and I would say the real destruction to the classic 60-40 portfolio, in your opinion, should investors stick to that type of split in their portfolio? Or should be, is that kind of more of an outdated model for portfolios in this environment? Uh, it's, not, it's not only outdated, it's, it's painfully uh, dangerous for your financial health. We, I've been bearish on bonds for two years. So uh, if you're bearish on bonds, 60-40 just uh, is an anachronism. You've got to be in equities. Um, if you're below retirement age, you, you have to be 100% in equities. And if you're retired and you're still working, uh, you know, and you're generating income to cover your expenses, then you still should be 100% in equities. So um, What's interesting to me in the fixed income area is that banks are now offering one-year CDs at 4%. So think about that. They can borrow at 3% and they're lending at 4%. Uh, are they doing you a favor? No, because with inflation at 8%, you're going to lose 4% of your money. Yeah. And But people are flocking to banks for CDs now. And this is the problem, you know, this is what obviously the problem is with, you know, some of these stocks, you know, like I've talked about the utility stocks, I've talked about some of the others that, you know, don't have the growth, but they've always had the yield and people like the four and a half and 5% dividends that these things get all of a sudden cash is competing with these stocks. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, XLU, you know, in the last month and a half has really gotten hit. And I mean, same thing with some of the staples, they've been hit as well. And I think, you know, in the oils, you know, you're getting different, you know, stocks, you know, for different reasons. But the main reason to own utility stocks is for the dividend. Yeah. That dividend is not nearly as attractive when you're getting four and a half percent risk-free assets. Agreed. And if you want to, you know, get the yield play, you can do it in energy and ExxonMobil and Chevron get three and a half percent. So you get the growth potential of the uh, shortages that are, I think, going to be with us for the next 18 months. 
But uh, you mentioned consumer staples, Dennis. That's a really interesting area because these stocks have wild PEs. Look at Colgate and Clorox. The PEs are in the 30s. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, how, do, how do you pay 30 times earnings for Colgate? Now, granted, um, you know, an activist hedge fund has just announced a position in it. Uh, but yeah. look at the PE ratio. I think it's in the 30s. Yeah, it's definitely. So a lot of people see the dip here uh, below the range. To me, that's bearish, not bullish. You've just made a 52-week low. And uh, this is typically safe haven money. That's why I don't like safe havens. Never have. Yeah, it seems like they haven't been working. What do you think about Procter's and Gamble's recent earnings? Uh, well, the earnings was were good, but, you know, and they, they seem to be able to overcome cost uh, push. But, you know, the chart tells you everything you need to know. This, yeah. this is not going anywhere, especially in a bear market with rates, as Dennis point out, very competitive with dividend yields. Yeah, if you're coming in stocks and you want to have stock risk here, I think you've got to find areas where you're actually getting, you know, growth, you know, and that's the whole problem with the staples is that this is just conservative, you know, no growth, you know, stable cash flow, you know, it does well during a recession. So that's the one argument as we go into a recession, well, people are still going to have to buy their soaps and their shampoos, you know, and they got to buy food. So all those staples tend to hold up a little bit better. But right now it's totally competing with cash. Well, so, and also, if they were 12 times earnings, that would be another story, uh, but they're not. <laughs> they're trading at a higher multiple than the S&P by a wide margin. By and here's an argument that, and, and, and I'm just going to take that argument and run with it for a second. I mean, this is the whole argument as why the S&P multiple needed to come down too. I mean, you, you assess it, you know, if you put on your CFA hat and you look at valuing stocks from a traditional metric, you, the risk-free rate is a serious component in that. Yep. And, you know, when, when the risk-free rate is 0.5%, Stocks are worth a hell of a lot more than when the risk-free rate is four and a half percent, because you just got to look at, you know, discounting those cash flows, looking at it. You know, what can you get when you get nothing for your money? That's all of a sudden worth a lot. You know, we keep saying, oh, yeah, 20, 22 times earnings is historically pretty cheap, at least lately for the S&P. Well, it's not in a four and a half to five percent environment. You take us back to the 80s, you know, when interest rates were 15 or 16. I don't think we're going that way. You know, stocks were the last pe thing people were thinking about. So I'm not saying it's going to go there, but I'm saying you got to consider that risk-free rate when you're valuing these companies. And if you're going to come into stocks and have stock risk, at least give me growth. Well, I agree with you. And there, there I think uh, that leads into my market view, which is that uh, the Fed has basically told us, Jim Bullard yesterday and Cash Carry two days ago, that the terminal rate for this cycle is going to be north of 5% which means there's at least 175 basis points to go. And that'll put the 10-year at 6%. And where does that put mortgage rates? That's that puts scary. mortgage rates at 10%. If you've got the 10-year at 6%, mortgage rates are going to be between 9 and 10%. Where does that put the consumer for discretionary income is my concern. If all of a sudden, you know, they're, and obviously, you know, some people are on a fixed mortgage, but a lot of people, especially in Canada variables, but those fixed mortgages come up and they got to re, you know, renew them at a higher rate. Where does that put them for, you know, spending on extra stuff? They're going to buy their food. They're going to have to buy their things. But that's, you know, the concern is at a certain point in time, the consumer is just going to have less cash. Well, I agree. And that, you know, it starts with the housing market. The housing market really drives the economy. And the housing market is going to have a hard time with mortgage rates of 10% or eight, even 8%, which is approaching. So, you know, I mean, the Bank of America <laughs> did a, you know, a two-handed economist thing. They said, oh, Moynihan said, we're very happy about the consumer. They're willing to spend. On the other hand, they set aside 500 million for uh, loan losses. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. Either the consumer is happy and flush or the consumer is going to default on some of this credit card debt. And so uh, this all leads me to think that we haven't made the bottom yet. Uh, that's that's where I was going with this. I think the 3200 is sort of my minimum target. And if you apply your uh, sort of point of Thinking, Dennis, uh, if the S&P earnings are 200 or 210 in 23, which would be pretty flat, uh, and you put a 15 multiple on that, that, that gives you 3,000 to 3,200 
And, yeah. you know, that's pretty much where I think we're going to be before this is over. It could happen quickly. You know, who knows what triggers it? That's, that's my biggest concern in terms of trying to call a bottom, which is, uh, you know, a loser's game to begin with. Yeah. yeah. We haven't seen capitulation. And yeah. I've never seen a bear market end with, without capitulation. Even a V-shaped bottom like we had in March of 20 when it was a, what was it, a 23-day bear market or a 33-day bear yeah. market. Uh, you get capitulation. It's just bear markets don't end with a whimper. They end with a bang. This yeah. is a much different market than 2022. Like there's a lot of people still saying, oh, yeah, we'll V-bottom out of here. No. But this is completely different. I mean, that was a sudden closure of the economy and and then the reopen of the economy. I mean, it just kind of followed that where this is completely different animal here. I mean, we're dealing with a sticky problem. You got to find a chart of 1973-4, which I lived through. I was a branch manager of a brokerage firm in Philadelphia at that point and had 40 brokers working for me and they didn't even want to come in in the morning. It was just brutal. And I think that's you know, that's the kind of patterns you got to look for. There were some very sharp rallies. The final drop in 74 was 34% from the last rally peak. So, you know, and with all that, I'm still optimistic that a year from now, which unfortunately everybody agrees with me in the sentiment studies, a year from now, the market will be higher. The question is from what level? There there you go too. Where do we bottom out? But that's why I like energy here, Dennis. And uh, that's why I think, uh, you need to have some cash on the sidelines, but if you want market exposure, it should be in energy and healthcare, healthcare, uh, biotech, and some of the quality healthcare names uh, like JNJ, which got hit based on dollar um, headwinds yesterday. You know, these are core portfolio holdings. One more name I'll give you because it's in a different uh, sector that's not strong is Adobe. I, you know, I think. Whereas Amazon has been a core holding for almost everybody who's a long-term investor, I think Amazon's had its day in the sun. Um, I, I just don't think their their business model in retail is going to hold up. Cloud cloud may hold up, but Adobe is a stock I recommended uh, a week and a half ago in my market letter, and my thesis was. The new acquisition is bullish. The street thinks it's, they're paying too much for it. In their investor day two days ago, without a, yeah, their annual conference, they reaffirmed my thesis. They said, we see a 10-year growth path for the company. And I think Adobe is a quality name. Everybody who, as anybody, uses Photoshop. And yeah. we all use PDFs. Yeah. And they're, they're, I think their SaaS model is, is brilliant. And I, if, for me, if I'm building a core portfolio, I want some energy. I want a stock like Adobe in there. I mean, it's a stock that's come from a PE of 55 or 60, you know, and it's come down so far that it's come into like a reasonable valuation. I haven't looked at it lately, but I imagine it's in the high 20s, the PE here yeah. now, which yeah. doesn't seem crazy when you're still getting some growth here. I and mean, we could go back to GARP. You know, you really, you can start like, you know, at the end of 2021, nothing made sense. You know, everything, valuations were all nuts, even on a GARP basis, but growth at a reasonable price. I mean, you kind of got it here with Adobe and this is on my watch list too. And then just, you know, sneaky, you know, it was quiet there two days ago, but they reaffirmed their whole year, full year guidance there two days ago too, Mark. So nobody talked about it, but, you know, I like it when the companies are saying, hey, it's still going pretty good over here. But I, and I like to take the longer view. They talked about a 10 year runway that they see for growth. And, you know, I, I, they don't they didn't have to say that. You know, there's no nobody was putting a gun to their head. All people wanted to know is, are you going to meet your numbers? Because we're very short term oriented. One other thing, if we have time to talk about, because yeah. I think it's really valuable for your listeners. Uh, there's been a couple of studies in the last two days on how big institutions are now using short-dated options. I mean, I'm talking zero to one-day expirations. They now constitute more than 50% of all options activity. And it's not the date, it's not the, the, uh, the mem traders out of Reddit and Wall Street bets. These are big hedge funds and trading desks. And that's creating all this volatility. They're gaming mm. the dealers in a big way because they know how the dealers are going to react if they buy tens of thousands of short-dated calls or puts. And I think it's really, uh, 
bad for investors because there's so much noise and investors, when they see this kind of volatility, just sort of retreat to the sidelines, which in a bear market isn't the worst thing in the world. But I just wanted to point out, and you, you can find the stories on the internet. It's very disturbing to me that they've created these single day expiration options and big money has figured out how to game the system. And I, I think that's creating all this noise that are making people very uncertain about what's going on. Mark, what about all these other ETFs, single stock ETFs now? I mean, when does it end? I mean, you got Tesla Q, TSLQ, which is the Tesla bear daily ETF that basically just moves the opposite of Tesla. So, I mean, these are just ways to get around the SEC rules, really. I mean, it's a way for, you know, somebody to short the stock at Robinhood that can't, you know, short stocks there. Well, they can buy TSLQ and get the equivalent of, you know, Tesla. Uh, are we going to come out with an ET, a bear ETF for every stock? Is this uh, where it's going? I hope not. I hope not. I, I mean, you, but you said the magic words. Anything that enables Robinhood investors is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. And it's like Kathy Wood coming out with a venture fund that locks you up for five years in private companies that she's going to make a huge fee on and you can't get out of. Yeah. That's not good for investors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, well... It seems like out there in the markets right now, everyone's watching uh, Prime Minister uh, Louise Truss. Looks like she's about to resign. Um, so uh, just pay attention out there. Just want to make that stated for traders out there. That's but Mark, great. well, definitely, I want to have you on um, my, my live trading show, not necessarily for trading outlooks, but I want you to go over the taken money flow indicator. And so I'm going to have to bring you on to that show. We, we got to talk about some money flow. I've actually been uh, using it a little bit more and want to bring you on to talk about it. So well, I'm going to reach out to you, Mark. Now you're talking. Next week, I will be talking to you from Boston, the Stansbury uh, Annual Conference. We're part of Stansbury Research, which is part nice. of MarketWise. So um, I'll catch you at 8.15 next week. Have a good one, Mark. Appreciate you yep, coming on well. like always. Take care. Yep. Thanks, Mark. All right, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at this market. Chop, How are we holding chop, in right holy, now? Holy chop, chop fest. So, I mean, we just actually were up, you know, 25 handles. We just gave it all back. So, I mean, we had jobless claims come out, but now we mm -hmm. get, let's trust the actual resignation here and, and stocks are getting hit here now. I mean, you can go look at European stocks too, which are actually rallying on this. I mean, if you go over, over to the UK, they're rallying as well. I think the jobless claims really, you know, chopped us up there. And if you want, we can grab that number that just came out at 8.30, Mitch. Yeah, um, I got them well both here that. for you. Yeah, uh, initial it. jobless claims and Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index. Initial jobless claims came in at 214,000 versus the 230 estimate um and prior was and i'm going to give you the prior reading the prior reading was twenty eight thousand. so it doesn't seem like the initial jobless claims are going in the right direction of course we've been looking for bad news in that so that we could start seeing the unemployment number rise not what we're seeing here uh and then um you got also the philadelphia fed manufacturing index coming in at a negative 8.7 versus the negative 5.0 estimate prior was negative 9.9. .9, so not moving in the right direction. They wanted to see it come in light towards, let's say a, a negative 4.0, um, not, not good there in the Philly.
Fed Manufacturing Index. So we're up, we're down, we're left, we're right. All we can say is the chop continues. The Titanic Bob, which we've been talking about, continues here. So, you know, we don't have any more clarity on which direction this market is going. Um, nobody's got a crystal ball on this one. All I can say is chop. The way to play chop is to fade everything. And if you've been fading everything, you know, buying it when we're down 30 handles last night, selling when we're up 25 handles last night, there's a lot of money being made day trading right now. The algos are killing it. Um, but I obviously, the long-term investors just got big question marks on everything. Yeah, and it looks like more questions coming out of UK. I'm glad I kind of brought that up early in the day because I felt like today might have been that day um, that we saw uh, the prime minister head towards the door. It looks like that's happened. And she's saying that the new prime minister will be named within about a week. Um, so more uncertainty out in Everywhere England. And that shows me really that the situation is probably worse than they're giving us, right? They're, it's probably worse than they're letting out to the media if they're making changes like that and that quickly. Something I'd definitely be concerned about. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know, man. Going into today, I'm starting to feel bearish. <laughs> I'm just feeling choppy. So I'm choppy, just playing. Choppy, not going to make. I think you just stay market neutral and you're fading all moves. Fading all right, rallies, so... buying the dips, selling the rips, shorting the rips, buying the dips, fading everything. We could be in this three, six, like, like, and, and nobody gives those possibilities, right? Everybody wants to give, you know, these targets and these targets. Mm -hmm. Heck, we could be, you know, if this earnings season gets wishy-washy too, where you get some companies warning, but other companies doing okay, we could be in this 355 to 375, you know, SPY range here for quite a while. So I think that would be a good thing. I would think that would be a good thing. Sideways consolidation. Stabilization. Probably. Yes. That's what that's what Joel was calling for. That's what Joel's I, been hoping I, for. Was I've been hoping for it too. A, uh, yeah. Two, three months sideways action would make me bullish, but I have yet to see that. Every month we get a little pop, but a lot of times we get the further drop after that pop. So we'll We're see still what happens. trending down. Yeah. Right, we've still been trending down overall. So let's go on to some other individual stories. And let's there is just it. a ton of them. Any, any specific earnings yeah, on your let's radar? Let's go away from earnings for a second. We had IBM, LAM Research, which the, which the gains after hours were faded quickly there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah. a quiet story that nobody's talking about here is Allstate. And yeah. it is getting absolutely hammered here this morning. And this is because it came out with, you know, damage estimates from and what, and what they're going to have to pay from the hurricane down in Florida. So give us those details there, Mitch. There was multiple companies coming out with this stuff, but it doesn't look great for Allstate. Yeah, it didn't seem that bad for travelers yesterday, but let's talk about Allstate Corporation here today announcing estimated results for the third quarter of 2022 of a net loss between $675 million and $725 million, an adjusted net loss estimated between $400 million and $450 million catastrophic loss for the third quarter net of reassurance are estimated at that 763 million and that's pre-tax so it seems like hurricane definitely having an effect here on all state corporation oh, this is such a hammering here for a stock that was very near all-time highs i mean you'd think like people would be you know a little bit more cognizant to buying these things up to all-time highs after we just had a hurricane and all of a sudden it's like oh there's damage from the hurricane we what? gotta pay some money what <laughs> this is the market that just it's not a good thing for nothing. all state <laughs> this is just the market that anticipates nothing i mean you know it's now they get lost man. We get lost points off all state because now all of a sudden they're like oh you mean there was damage from the hurricane i mean this it, the efficient market hypothesis on this stock, this stock could just be the example of how the efficient market hypothesis is so stupid. There's <laughs> nothing efficient about this market. Who in the hell is buying this thing up near all-time highs when they haven't even come out with their losses yet? And then, boom, the losses are bad, and bam, it gets hammered. So, I mean, and you're down, you're down 11%. Is this overshooting? May, this is a one-time deal, so I tend to think so. But this is the market where the weak just get weaker. And now you broke all those momentum traders. You broke everybody who said this had relative strength. So I, in normal markets, I would say I'd probably buy this dip. But I'm just spooked in this market because everything just seems to go bloody lower. So, you know, GNRC to the example yesterday. I mean, you're buying that open. And it falls another 20 bucks from where it opened yesterday. I mean, they absolutely hammer stocks when they're out of favor. 
Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that situation. Of course, it's not a fun situation to deal with damages and deal with insurances. I've dealt with it in the past in Florida. It's not a fun situation at all. All right, let's go towards one more, a couple more we can get into. Um, uh, let's do, I think, American Airlines. Let's go to AAL. As we've been seeing, it seems like the airlines are not showing that weakness. Uh, American Airlines coming in here. Let me get there. There's the banner for you. Q3 EPS at 69 cents, beating the 31 cent estimate. Sales at 13.5 billion, beating the 13.25 billion estimate. American Airlines says, based on current trends, they see Q4 total revenue 11 to 13 percent higher versus 2019, on 5 to 7 lower capacity. And so, what does that show us? getting more per seat, right? And they also see Q4 adjusted EPS at 50 cents to 70 cents on the high end. Uh, CEO Robert Ism said that demand remains strong and it's clear that customers in the US and other parts of the world continue to value air travel and the ability to reconnect post-pandemic. Again, the airlines, and uh, full disclosure, I do have a position on this, so I'll limit my comments to American Airlines. Like, I'll limit my comments to American Airlines. I'll just talk the sector overall. Mm -hmm. I mean, after the UAL, you know, earnings, they seem to still be firing. You know, they, they see, the sector seems to still be doing well. I just wonder if that demand destruction isn't coming. We haven't seen it in a lot of sectors here yet, but I keep thinking they keep raising rates, inflation keeps being a problem. It's going to start showing up in different things. I mean, if you had a trip booked, you know, six months ago, you're still going on that trip. But are you booking another one? You know, maybe you are. Maybe people are just going to find the money to spend. But I keep thinking the consumer is going to get strapped. I keep thinking that's going to show up in discretionary income and like discretionary expenditures. Yeah. I just keep thinking that people aren't going to be going as many trips if they don't have as much money. But I'm, I've been wrong so far because obviously, you know, the airlines are still doing pretty well. But I'm just cautious buying these stocks up into the strength that the worst may be still ahead of them. It could be. It's all about that concern of recession, right? Either we've gone through it or we're going to it. And if we're going to it, it still worries about the consumer. Great point. Um, and I want to just quickly iterate uh, Alaska Airlines uh, also beat and beat. They had an EPS of $2.53 and beating the estimate of $2.40 sales of $2.83 billion, beating the $2.82 billion estimate. So it just shows you more that the airlines overall are doing well right now um let's go to lvs uh, las vegas sands as they also reported today and i don't feel like this is this is one of those companies that i just i couldn't see myself investing in it uh probably even if you bought the shares for me but hey let's talk about it las vegas sands adjusted eps at a loss of 27 cents missing the loss of 24 cent estimate sales at 1.0 billion beating the 992.41 million estimate multi-year lows these stocks are really at i mean uh, yeah it's 35 and the low of the move was 28 but when you go out and you look at the monthly charts i mean these things are still kicking around where they were in 20s they're below where they were in 2016 when and las vegas sands when is right where it was in 2016 at 50 i mean they had the run to 200 dollars, and obviously you know it's come right back down so you think well eventually it cycles and eventually they're going to come out of this if we don't go into a recession these things are going to look like steals at these prices but if we go into a deep recession if we stay, the consumer stays, you know, a little bit strapped for cash, it's going to be less trips to casinos. It's going to be less money for them. So, I mean, again, right to your last question, and that's the question for a lot of these stocks overall. Are we going into a recession or are we coming through the recession now? You know, I still think, to your point, I still think it's coming. So I still think we're going to be a heavy one because I just can't add up the math to raise rates like this and not put us into a recession. And I think the Fed wants us into a recession. So that's why if I'm buying these stocks, I'm saying we're coming through it now and maybe it hasn't even started. Let's go to Akoa here and keep it going. Akoa Q3 EPS coming in. He had a loss of 33 cents, missing the 13 cent estimate. Sales at 2.85 billion, missing the 2.94 billion estimate. Akoa's 22 outlook. Company expects total aluminum segment shipments to remain unchanged from the prior projection, ranging between 2.5 and 2.6 million metric tons 
2022. Oh gosh, what a mess this stock has been since everybody had to own it. And if we just go yep. back to October, to January and February, the stock got up to $98 and now it's given it all back and then some. Now we're down here at 34, you know, at a certain point in time. But again, if you're going in a recession, there's less aluminum demand. So, I mean, could this thing go full? circle and come back to 20 from where it came from originally it is possible we saw some stocks do that already so i don't want to be early and we're not in this booming everybody's building everything type of environment here anymore so i gotta think aluminum demand steel demand i gotta think that is still coming down so and again if i'm saying you know it's a recession that we are potentially going to go into if we're not in it already it's not a recession you know it's not one of those stocks you want to own during a recession so uh, down nine percent. It looks cheap. It could bounce because it's oversold, but it would be nothing more than a bounce, I think. So you got to hold those lows in the move. Thirty-three fifty-five. That's the low of the move. That's where it's got to hold if you're bullish. Well, it looks like Starboard's at it again. I just saw it hit the table. Oh gosh, what's just Starboard a doing second, now? Uh, VRT. They're going for Verti Holdings, um, and it looks like the shares are up seven percent following a Bloomberg report suggesting that Starboard value has taken a stake in the company. VRT is the ticker. I don't know this one, so I just I don't know the company either. That uh, the only thing I would say is purely technical. Uh, look to the left, see if you can get back through that fifteen. Uh, but it's first going to have to get through kind of these levels over here. You can see kind of like you've been uptrending through it. Needs to get up through that high over here around thirteen fifties. Uh, could be in play today, but I don't know anything about this company, so I'd have to do my research, just like I would suggest for you guys um amazing starboard obviously elliot all these activists it's got to be nice to just be able to accumulate a position then disclose and watch the stock pop seven ten percent it's like they're up that seven must to be 10. so nice <laughs> it's it's got to be like it's like they're up seven to ten percent immediately when they buy it buffett's the same thing really it doesn't pop sometimes well, some of them do pop five six seven percent for buffett too i mean that's the advantage of being these guys and having the respect in the industry that they do that you know investors are going to chase what they're buying so investors are going to chase they buy something they're immediately up five to seven percent just because of who they are so now you know boom they get you know they bought the stock and now boom it gets this and we know they tend to hold up well i mean you can go back to elliot and pinterest you know it's held up fairly well since elliot's taken that stake so it's it's tough to fight the activists but at the same time um it's hard to chase them too because you know they didn't buy this thing at 1227 they bought this thing probably at 11 or 1150 and now you're already you know boom you know they're giving you know you're paying up seven eight percent from where they bought it it's like the people who chase buffett i mean yeah it gets disclosed but it just popped five six percent because buffett disclosed so you didn't get it where he got it you got it where you know where everybody else is getting it after we know about it so it's almost chasing on these it's almost like they should tell us they, they're going to buy and then have to wait a day or two till they actually take the position. That would seem fair to me. But That would seem fair, yeah. but they're never going to do that because it's <laughs> the whole edge. It's their whole bloody edge. Yeah, yeah, because they give a, a case, right? And well, we'll see what happens with that. Looks yeah. like, yes, yeah, Starboard has been going, uh, not stopping. It seems like every day we're getting new news from Starboard. So they're definitely taking their shots. Uh, next one that I wanted to get into, uh, let's talk, uh, LRCX, of course. Um, we, sure. we talked about it for a second there, Lamb Research. Uh, this is a bigger company that I don't feel we talk about often. So I just want to make sure we cover it. And I think it's an important one because we're running into more and more concerns about the battle that's going on in China with the chips. Let's give their numbers here. Lamb Research EPS at $10.42, beating the $9.55 estimate. Sales at $5.07 billion, beating the $4.88 billion estimate. What do you feel about Lamb Research? Stock all over the place after the earnings. If we can show the after hours chart. Mitch, do you have after yeah, hours charts on these? Yeah, 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 yeah of show that. Yeah. Right there. We popped initially significantly on the earnings and then slowly leaked, leaked, leaked. And then look, look how far it went down. I mean, we got down like what, 315 and now we're all the way back. This is the example of what I'm talking about here. You know, if your stock's going up five, six percent or three percent, you're like, oh yeah, buy this one's going and it pulls it back. Then it goes down three percent. I got to get out, sell. And then, you know, it comes back the other way. 
fading the moves. This is your classic, you know, just earnings where they're, you know, they, they appear to be okay at first. And then, you know, for whatever reason, they find a reason to sell them, which is what they seem to do. But just fading moves is working so well in 2022. You know, everybody still wants to buy this strong and sell the weak and play the momentum and all that. And that works to a certain extent, but you know, even it, it, it's been, you know, not working either because they turn so quickly. I mean, you know, you go back to Alcoa in August, it looks like, yeah, it's breaking out. It's looking good. And then they pull the rug out from under it. 2022 yeah. has been the year of the contrarian. The contrarian traders are winning. The momentum traders are not doing as well in 2022. And you've got to adjust your trading strategies for your market environment. So I'm going to keep saying it. Fading moves in 2022 has been the way to make money, not chasing moves. You want to know, I think this was the comment that scared uh, the, in the earnings call a little bit later after the report was that they released this on their earnings call that they expect a $2 billion to $2.5 billion revenue impact in 23 from the U.S. exports restriction to China. This is what I've been trying to kind of wave a little bit of a red flag to. I'm not saying that this is going to affect all these semiconductor equipment stocks as much, but I think this is a red flag for the industry overall. And I'm just trying to put it into the perspective out there so you guys can do the research. And I think this is going to affect the whole industry overall in semiconductors. We'll see what happens. All can right. We talk GNRC. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Just the follow through from yesterday, and we mentioned Continue it briefly down. here, but this is absolutely nothing short of an incredible fall from grace. I mean, here's a stock that was $524 one year ago on November the 5th, you know, making new all-time highs. And we were in the booming economy and everything looked just great. But we were warned back then. You know, we knew inflation was sticking. We knew the Fed was going to go into a tightening cycle in 2022. And that was just the key to sell all you know, everything. But GNRC is right at the top of the packing order. And I said this yesterday, this is the last thing you buy when you're starting to get strapped for cash. I mean, it's so much, it's it, nothing has impacted more than a stock like this. And the simple reason is that this is obviously directly related to home builders because new homes getting generators. So it's related to that. As rates go up, you know, there's going to be less action on new homes for sure because people can afford less or people can't afford to buy that home that they were going to buy or people can't afford to obviously, you know, build that home that they were going to build. So, I mean, this has just been hammered. It's a housing play, GNRC. It has been absolutely ugly. I know people are looking at this and saying, well, this is coming back eventually. And I agree. I think it will come back eventually here, but the valuation got crazy valuation may be reasonable here now but right now this is like your recession stock that gets hit the hardest this trend is broken everybody who keeps trying to buy the dips keeps getting hurt maybe it's capitulation but then you get overnight you get the analysts chasing price they're all downgrading the thing now at a certain point in time at a certain point in time gnrc is going to be a buy this isn't a zero it's not like gnrc is going out of business you know but You've got to just be careful. I don't think there's any reason to be a hero, catch the falling knife and say this is the bottom because everybody's been trying to do that for the last six months and it just keeps going lower. Yeah, this is one of those companies that I just feel like, do they truly have a competitive advantage? Well, they do. It, they they what, do for sure. Generac is, is the generators like, you know, they have a competitive advantage. So if you want but a generator, I just don't think there, there's any demand for generators. But there's there's other generators, right? There's Honda, there's Tesla. Not, not like they, Generac though. They're, is they're that what like it is? the name. Yeah, okay. Mitch. It really is. I mean, That's their generators I are awesome. So okay. I I, I think, you know, it, it's not, I, I think they do have a competitive advantage. So I wouldn't argue that. I just think it's the market environment they're in that makes this thing scary to buy right now. But at a certain point in time, it's going to be a buy because of that competitive advantage. So, you know, if you're buying this at 105, you're going to be happy five years from now. I tend to think so, but I'm not, cert I'm not sure. And we're never certain. So I would be more inclined to wait until at least, you know, if you've come this far, it's not going to test a hundred bucks. I mean, everything likes to test 100 bucks. When stocks go from one, you know, to the Kenny Glick theory, Kenny hasn't been on for a while, but, you know, it's got some, you know, some serious weight. You know, stocks go from 10, you know, then they take out the 10, then they start looking at 750, then they start looking at the five. I mean, stock go from 150 to 105, I think very rarely aren't going to go to 100. So I would think you're probably going to get a shot at 100. Now, does mm -hmm. it, you know, hit the stops at 100, bottom at 98? That's a possibility, but 
I think buying at 105, I think you're minimum 5% early, which is just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this one. I, I wouldn't step in front of it at all. But I mean, to each his own, if you want to try to get it on the low. We'll see what happens there in Generac. Uh, let's give another earnings report here. Uh, we can go to AT&T, a dentist favorite. <laughs> I, I love AT&T. <laughs> All rallies to be sold in AT&T eternally. I don't care what the earnings go. This is just my opinion. I have been bearish this stock for five years. That's I know Dennis. absolutely <laughs> correct. Correct. Joel's fought me on this, you know, saying, oh, what the dividend's pretty good. I mean, yeah, and then they cut it in half, and now it's fallen so far that the dividend's back to where it was looking pretty good again at 6.91%. Stop looking at the dividend. Start looking at the company. This company is being attacked on all sides. DirecTV is an absolute mess. Cord cutting is an issue here. You're going to have more compete even in their mobile. So I just think AT&T is under attack all over the place here. Absolutely hate the stock. Hate the company. Um, I'd be a seller of all rallies in AT&T. Is it oversold? For sure it's oversold. This is not, you know, and is it going to get bought here today? It was a pretty decent report. Yeah, it looks like it's getting bought. Is it going to reverse at some point in time? I think so, because that's just what seems to happen in AT&T. I don't want to own any of these things. Jason Rasnick was right on Verizon too. I was right as well, agreeing with him. We said we'd be selling that thing at 55. It's 36 bucks here now. AT&T and Verizon absolutely hate the stories. I think AT&T could I think AT&T could eventually be under 10 bucks sorry you get your dividend at least give you the earnings here and there was some positive in their earnings I will say that it was a decent Um, report they they did get net additions coming in at 7.13 million easily beating the forecast of 4.7 so it seems like they're getting some additions EPS beat at 68 cents beating the 61 cent estimate sales beat also at 30 billion beating the 29.86 billion estimate uh, they expect to reach wireless uh, service revenue growth in the upper end of 4.5% to 5% and expect to reach more than 130 million 5G mid-band pops by the end of the year. Seems like it wasn't the worst earnings report. The one thing that I would give on AT&T is this kind of monthly level. Uh, this monthly level around, let's say, 1515 is an important level to watch. I think you're going to get a nice bounce off this. I actually might be looking at this to trade this kind of intraday. But I just feel like this is kind of more of a stock that I would rent versus own. Stop um, we'll buying stocks for dividends. In you know rising yeah. interest rate environments, dividend stocks suck. This is the bottom line. Say it. Dividend stocks suck in a rising interest rate environment. So we got to stop buying stocks for dividends. If you're coming to this environment, at minimum, you'll want some growth or at least you want like an energy story or something like that. But coming yeah. in and buying stocks saying, oh, I like the 6.9% dividend. You get 4.5% in cash. You can pay 2%. For a, do- for a business that's under attack to pick up 2%, it's nothing like sound like a good risk-reward perspective to me. So could AT&T eventually come back? Maybe, but they got to change everything that they're doing. All right, wrap up for the day. What are you thinking on the action in the pre-market leading you to the bell? Dennis, what are you what are you seeing out there? Chop, 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 chop. Don't chase. We're going to be up. We're going to be down. We're going to be left. We're going to be right. Fade everything until further notice. That is my opinion. We will have to wait and see. The market will tell us. Appreciate you like always, Dennis. You have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, well, actually, we will not see you tomorrow, my friend. No, I am Let everybody tomorrow. know you are off tomorrow. I am. Look, I didn't kick out Dennis and Joel tomorrow. They chose to take the day off. Don't get mad at me. Don't <laughs> kill the messenger tomorrow. Dennis will be taking his probably one day off of the year, you know. Yeah, I don't take a lot of days off. So I am taking a day off, my anniversary weekend here, going away for the week, long weekend there. So my wife can never get me away for a week, so she'll get me away for a day. <laughs> hey, well, she so. deserves it. So she deserves some Dennis time also. So we, 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 can, we can borrow you for a little bit. We can lend you out. Don't worry, Dennis. All we'll right, lend me definitely out. Definitely be wishing you back. So have a good one, my friend, and enjoy your trip. Okay, thanks, Mitch. All right, I'm going to start wrapping up the day here. You guys can come over now to live trading action. Come over. Come check out. I might be trading AT&T. Might be trading 
SWN that Mark Chaikin mentioned earlier on the show. So if you missed Mark Chaikin, definitely hit the rewind. Check out that interview. We had a great show today. Talked about a lot of different areas. Prime Minister Louise Trust, of course, resigning during the show. At least we brought it up really early so that you guys were aware that this potentially could be happening today. Now it's your turn to go do the work. Like always, the one thing that we can do is point to the headlines, point to the areas, give you perspective. But like always, it's time to do the execution, and that's where you guys go ahead and play the trading game. We'll see what happens today. Go ahead and do what you know best. Work on those skills to improve, and I will see you tomorrow on Pre-Market Prep. Going to have to have a special co-host or something to kind of talk about it. But I won't leave you, team. I won't leave you down so that you guys don't have Pre-Market Prep tomorrow. I will do my best to try to fill in um, and give my perspective a little bit more tomorrow. Dennis and Joel out, but I will see you on live trading coming up next. And of course, later in the day, we got Benzinga Live, stock market movers. Don't miss it. Today, we also will be having the roadmap. And if you guys want to check out, if you guys have heard about so rare NFTs, I'm actually going to be doing some fantasy basketball with NFT action with Chris Ketchy on the roadmap today, 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss that. I will see you guys on live trading. It's time to do what we do best and go get it. Go get that money. I'll see you guys next time. Traders and investors, pre-market prep, and hit the like on your way out. Spring, nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.